Welcome to the Decent People Podcast, a production of Decentral Media, where we're committed to telling the stories of the founders, builders, and visionaries who are creating a new decentralized economy and internet experience. You guys know it as Web3 or blockchain, but we're going to bring you the smartest and most interesting people in the space for intimate conversations that reveal their background, how they got into crypto in the first place, and what they're doing today to make a decentralized future a reality. Thanks so much for joining us, and check out our site at Decentral.io. Now, to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Decent People Podcast by Decentral Media. I'm your host, Stephen Ladden. This week, we're here with Mac Flavel, the CEO of Big Head Club. Mac, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, well... Mac, you, you sort of have a, uh, an illustrious background in NFTs and Web3 and, and all of that great stuff. Maybe just take us back to how you got involved and, and really if that was something that was uh, kind of enlightened us. It, it, was that always a, a vision for you? How, how did you get in the space? What were you initially aspiring to do? How did it all come together? Uh, in 2017, I was working at a company called Axiom Zen, which was an innovation foundry run by brothers Sam and Roham. And uh, it was the summer of shitcoins. ICOs were the hottest thing in the world. And they said to me, you need to make the blockchain fun. And I said, that's a terrible idea. Nobody fucking cares about the blockchain except mouth-breathing, neck-bearded, libertarian anarchist assholes. And they said, it's cute that you have an opinion, but you should shut up and do your job. And I was like, yep, that's true. I should. So I went away and I thought about it for a while. And there was sort of three things coming together at once. One, at that innovation foundry, I'd been building a bunch of failed consumer apps, but we were just trying all sorts of different things. And one of my like pillars at the time was you should not explain why you're using cats. You should explain why you're not using cats. If you're building a consumer application like they are default on opt out begin with cats and the next thing was i wanted to build a gardening game i've had a you know i've been making games for a long time i always want to build a game where you plant a seed and you don't know what color flower or what birds will visit your garden it's all unknown outcomes and i saw a crypto punk that looked like wonder woman and i was like oh i fucking love that and i want to buy it so i did and for $35. And uh, so those three things came together and I went back to work and I was like, gang, we're gonna make cats fuck on the blockchain. And it was like, what are you talking about? I said, I have no idea, but y'all are real smart. So we'll figure it out together. And I actually thought that we should do like cat fucking to mine Bitcoin. That was like the idea in my head. And Dieter, who's the CTO at Dapper now and was at Axiom Zen with us, was like that literally makes no sense you're just you know making shit up but uh on this world computer called ethereum i could create a new standard which became the 721 standard and that would allow for fungible tokens and then when the pink cat fucked the blue cat we would know that they were different and their offspring would also be different they would all be fungible they're not interchangeable and i was like yeah man that's a lot of big words but let's go and uh that's that's how we got the 721 standard and how i got into crypto wow so uh a lot a lot of cat fucking uh <laughs> before that started it sounds like 
gaming and creating games was was sort of something you were passionate about is that what kind of was at the epicenter at the backbone of sort of your drive for all of this i like playful things and i like colorful things and i like beautiful things and games check a lot of those boxes and it's not just games though like in 2017 we were trying to figure out how to make a better snapchat with ephemeral messaging and we were doing like sticker apps we made cool stickers we made ar bird hunting games yeah we're just, we're just playing with technology and consumer behavior and trying to find like the nut to crack in there which never works except it did which was fucked up because you know most people try and don't succeed and we tried and did succeed and lots of that's because we're smart and hardworking and blah 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 but also a lot of that is because we're lucky as shit and you know all those things come together at once well and, and in terms of things coming together at once it could be too that as you just said you're you're playing around you're 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 enjoying what you're doing and and perhaps enjoying what you're doing and being good at what you do when they coincide within individuals and then in groups you have a better chance at having that alignment of timing and being lucky and all that stuff this is true the third piece there though is the caliber of people that you're working with uh axiom zen used to man i used to send them so many people to hire even before i worked there like i introduced them to their first employee long before i ever worked there i was doing headhunting as recruiting for them and then when i worked there i brought dozens and dozens of people there i was like this person is great we should work with this person and they hired very few of them and i used to get really fucking angry and be like god damn it this person is really good why are you not hiring them and they would say to me we would rather have false negatives than false positives we would rather have good people that don't work here than bad people that do work here and so they were very very selective about who got to work there making sure no bad bad whatever that means but no bad people got in the doors and so the group of people that i worked with there were exceptional at what they did every one of them the copywriters the engineers the front-end designers like everybody was fantastic at what they did and we'd been working together for years on different projects and so we had a deep trust like crypto kitties was three people when we started 12 people by the time we launched and every single person that we added to that team i had a deep emotional connection with we had deep trust with and so all those things that you said about enjoying what you're doing and being good at what you do but being surrounded by good people and to be totally honest that was roham's original genius that guy's very smart in many directions but the ability like he let me be me to the best of my ability and nobody else was doing that people i'm a very difficult person to like let off the leash but he would let me off the leash and and the results sort of speak for themselves eventually sure sure which which is so both empowering and trusting to your point of, of allowing people to lean into who they are and what they bring to the table. And I think that's a very incredibly unique uh, way of, of conducting business, running a company, creating things. It's, it's also inspirational to, to hear that that exists and that perhaps other people could take a lead from that and, and say, hey, look at the success that uh, these guys have had. And you know maybe we could apply that to whatever operation we have, whether it's crypto or, or something else. We are in many ways doing the same thing at Big Head Club. We're bringing together very, very good people. We do not have a master plan. We do not know what the intended outcome is. There's no like, oh, Google's going to acquire us because of our SaaS expertise in two years. I have no idea what the future fucking holds. But I'm bringing together the best people I can find who love what they do and have a deep commitment to each other. And we'll see if we can make some more magic.
And and to that end, what what is the magic behind Big Head Club? What are you guys cultivating? What is the what perhaps not the the thousand yard you know thousand mile uh, vision, but what's what's the operation uh, all about these days? Uh, we make strange and marvelous NFTs that stand the test of time. So we've done three PFP collections so far. We've done a bunch of, well, not a bunch, but some independent art, some of which is very interesting, has surprises that people don't know about yet, which will come out soon. And we are going to keep building and learning. Ideally, we push the medium forward with everything that we do. We like uh, iterate on what NFTs are. We test new things. We always want to say that when we're done, there's something that somebody should copy. I'm a huge fan of copying people's shit. That is the path to success. It is like truly and truly, which people think is weird coming from the NFT guy. I'm like, oh, you're so creative and original ideas. I copy the shit out of people all the time. It's the only way. You gotta like mimic 90% of what you do and innovate in 10% or some shit like that, you know? Uh, and so that's what we'll do. Like, we really don't know. I think, I think games are really interesting. I always have, and we play with NFTs. And so there's a good chance there's some NFT gaming stuff coming. But you will never hear me tell you that we're building the metaverse. Anybody who tells you they're building the metaverse is full of shit, if I'm being honest. Uh, and Or they're, they're lying to you or to themselves. Some people actually believe their own madness. But uh, we are building maybe games that play well with NFTs. We're not building the metaverse. And we're going to do it, you know, having fun, figuring it out, making some money along the way so that we can have lots of time to get it right. When someone, If someone says they're building the metaverse, how... how, how... I guess what what's the difference between being at the forefront of NFT development and building the metaverse, or someone saying that they're building the metaverse? You say you're building the metaverse, you pretend you know how this is going to end. You pretend to have vision about the like final state, and that's madness. The metaverse, if it ever emerges in the true sense of that word, will be as chaotic as nature itself. There's nobody who can sit here and tell you what evolution is going to do, and the metaverse, in its in its true form will be as wild and as complicated a system as like literally the trees outside and the birds and all that shit. And so to sit here and tell you that I can orchestrate that is to, you know, presume, presume deity-ness of myself. That is to assume godliness. And I am many things, but not that kind of arrogant. So in some ways then you could say, or the, the, the correct way of phrasing it could be that people are contributing to the metaverse in some way but but they're not necessarily uh building it or or shaping its outcome there's nobody architecting the metaverse and the closest you're going to get to that are standards that was the crazy thing about crypto kitties like we could have made crypto kitties as a thing that only we did and lived happily ever after we did not we created the 721 standard again this was not me i'm a passenger on this part of the journey but we created a standard which led to multi-billion dollar empires in JPEGs that we all now know and love or hate as NFTs. Uh, but we weren't trying to create something big that we knew the outcome of. We were creating a standard that other people would be able to tie together into their creative vision, their technical execution. And so when we eventually, if we eventually ever end up on the metaverse, and I don't know that we will, it will be because there's a bunch of standards like HTTP and like email and like 721 that are being wrapped together. And when you let like underprivileged kids in Botswana play with those things, they will build interesting, cool new things that start to resemble the like shadow 
of the metaverse. Okay, so so then would it be fair to say that with Big Head Club, you guys are are pioneers of NFTs, leading, helping lead the charge to wherever that pasture may lead. Yeah, yeah, that would be fair to say. In terms then of the creative output from Big Head Club, it, where do you derive the innovation? Is it is it do you do you gain inspiration internally? Is it through dialogues with colleagues? Is there some formula for what you come up with and think of next, or is it simply any other creative process? It's unadulterated chaos. We just we just like open our mouths and spew madness and smash atoms together and see what comes out the other side. And we have the privilege of knowing some of the most creative people on earth and in some cases working with them. And that's really fun and neat and all kinds of interesting. And we've, like I said, brought together a pretty outstanding team. And uh, I, I will say something nice about myself here. I'm a very creative individual, but my genius is not the shit that comes out of my head. It's the shit that I can pull out of other people's heads. It's like, giving people a safe space for them to go be their weird self. I, I've learned a lot from Roham, to be honest. Uh, and so that's really what we're good at is allowing the people that we work with to say, wouldn't it be cool if, and be like, oh, shit, yes, it would, actually. Yes, it would. Let's go poke at that, kick that bee's nest, and see what hornets come out. Mm. So much of your job, then, is empowering the people you work with to be their best, highest creative self and giving them the freedom to execute that in whatever way best fits their being talents, et cetera. Yep. And execution is hard. We've not nailed execution. Like we need to get better at developing software and we need to get better at our creative processes. There's a bunch of that shit that we've not figured out. Business is hard. Organizing humans is the hardest thing I know how to do. Business is just a like one way to organize humans. But the first job is to make it a place where the best ideas can emerge. And then the next job is taking those best ideas and converting them into something that people care about. And, you know, we're, we're on both of those bicycles at the same time. And is it something where if you guys are passionate about it and care about it, whatever it, the, the idea specifically or idea specifically, do you tend to believe that you guys internally serve as a good litmus test to what people would like? And so if you, meaning if you like it and you're having fun with it and enjoying it, that there's a good chance that other people will like it too. Now, I wish that was the case. I really wish it was. It's not. Oni Ronin is the best example of this. We made these Oni Ronin NFTs. They're absolutely fucking amazing, breathtaking art, historically accurate death haiku written by real samurai from the last 800 years. Incredible bravery mechanic where you take your Oni Ronin to the trial of ascension and see if it's one of the 88 golden Ronin or one of the fallen. We did all this amazing, crazy, cool shit. And what people want is doodles. And I fucking love doodles, to be clear. Like, my PFP is doodles. I love the doodles, guys. Doodles is amazing. But most people do not want heavy metal death samurai fantasy ghosts. Most people want adorable little cute cartoon characters. And so that's a lesson we're learning as we go. And what, why but do you also, think But also, to be clear, this is not, um, like, enterprise software, right? This is not a thing where we're like, okay, build the feature, build the landing page, see how many people click, see how many people sign up, A, B, test it. It's not that. This is fundamentally art, and we need to be better at making art that people care about, but but uh, it's not it's not wisdom of the crowds. It's not like, oh, they will tell us what they want. Fucking Ford and his faster horse quote, all that. Like, we're not here to have the world tell us what to do. 
we are here to learn from the world about what they want and then to try and give that to them but the magic is happening inside the building we just got to make that magic flow well through the entire human population mm. and and what what do you think about doodles specifically attracts people to them what what, what is it in their simple is it the simplicity is it the just the bare bones it's, nature what's what 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 is it's it? It's incredibly simple art, and I mean that is the highest form of compliment. You know, there's a book, uh, The Little Prince, La Petite Prince, is written. Those like a kid's book a lot of people have read. The guy who wrote that book was also apparently like one of the first designers, whatever the fuck that meant at the time. And he has a quote, which is, and a lot of people know this quote, they just don't know it's the Little Prince guy, which is that something is not finished being designed when there's nothing else to add, but when there's nothing else to remove. Doodles is that. It is the absolute bare minimum of perfection. They've distilled everything you don't need. They have beautiful art. They have no roadmap. They just said, here's the doodle bank, man. Like, let's figure it out together. We're not going to make up some bullshit about we're doing this and we're doing that. You guys do what you want. We'll give you a big pile of money that you just spent on our shit. And also, it's representation. Everybody can find a doodle where they're like, that looks like me. So this logo, I realize this is audio, so a lot of people won't see this, but this pink thing on the screen is the Big Head logo. We change colors all the time, but normally it's blue. And I love to buy purple NFTs. Purple's my color. So my doodle is a purple background, bald-headed, big blue thing. Like, it is, you could not design a better NFT for me, for my business, for my current identity than my doodle. That's fucking amazing. And it was just like, I think almost everybody can find themselves in their doodle. They can find their forever doodle very easily. may not be able to afford it, but they can find it. And they're going to solve that with doodles too, and all will be well. Uh, but that's, oh, and then Jordan and Evan, like, you know, Burnt Toast is an incredible artist, but Jordan and Evan are deep, deep experts in the NFT space. Those guys know more about this than anything. And to be clear, I hired both of them into Dapper, and they both know significantly more than I do about NFTs, full stop. Wow. Wow. Well, one interesting note you're 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 talking about your doodle here uh isn't that in a way to get back to the metaverse of it all if everybody at some point has an avatar aren't we talking essentially about a similar thing if if someone... all we do in the metaverse is represent ourselves as we are then why the fuck are we in the metaverse the reason i want to go into the metaverse is so that i can be a like 600 pound green woman with spikes sticking out of my head and party with aliens like, that's fucking cool and interesting. The surreality and the cross-pollination, the nature of different realities infusing each other is what's interesting with the metaverse. Not like, oh, we can do our job better fucking because Facebook gave us a desk in Oculus. <laughs> right, right. So so then that's a very, that's a different, that's a different uh, take on how the metaverse could exist for people because you have uh say brands entering the space and and other to your point uh businesses coming in and trying to make sense of it what's the is is there an intersection then between the the art of it all and commerce or are those two things those two things they are stay great friends. it is not church and state commerce and art have always been bound to each other most art will be made by artists because they love it but most of us will have access to it because we paid for it because we can give them money in order to do their art otherwise how the fuck are they gonna do that they're just gonna draw in their room and like put it in the desk and great art will be created that way but we will not be able to consume it the the interesting intersections of art and commerce from like 
Renaissance Italy and the Medici and everything they did to pioneer that shit. And then like, I mean, arguably there has, I'm not an art historian at all, but from what I can tell, there's not been much innovation in the economics of art, like literally since Florence in the 1450s or some shit. And so that's one of the fun things about NFTs is that we may be truly destroying the starving artist paradigm. That is some bullshit. Starving artists should not be a thing. We're all like, oh, I know that guy. We're like, no, fuck that. Uh, and so for the metaverse to work, like, you know, at Dapper, the first thing we did was go sign Top Shot, go sign the NBA, one of the largest brands on earth. That's fucking amazing. A huge, huge number of people who love NFTs today love it because we brought a massive, massive brand into Web3. But you got to find some weird ass art over there, too. These two things are not mutually exclusive. And eventually, yes, yeah, sitting at your desk in the metaverse and like Facebooking away or doing whatever your bots at Google's telling you to do, that'll be a part of it too. But that should not be where we start. And if it is where we start, it's just fucking boring and it will have no staying power. We need like the independent weirdo artists to make this shit. If you look at the emergence of comics, like pulp comics in the maybe 30s in America, there's weird ass art coming out. You look at the emergence of the app store. The single craziest, craziest thing of our time is not blockchain, it's not VR, it's the fucking app store. That has had a more profound impact on more people's lives than anything else. And all of the original shit in the app store was weird independent games, weird independent apps that people were making. It was years and years before EA showed up and was like, oh shit, we can make a billion dollars on FIFA on the phone? Because they do, and that's cool. But there's a bunch of nerds and weirdo artists building the shit in their dreams that paved the way for that. Metaverse is no different. Mm. Mm. So in many ways, then, could it be said that we're in a technological renaissance period with NFTs and the uh, accompanying art with that and how that, to your point, the, inner, the, the relationship of commerce to art as we're moving forward, is it, is it akin to the Medici period in some ways? Not, to, not, to, not specifically, but, yeah. you know, does it evoke uh, it? I don't think it's just about art. I think we're in a technological renaissance that is far bigger than art. Somebody said to me mm -hmm. a while ago that uh, what happened in Silicon Valley in the 60s with the computer chip, which like unleashed all of this. 60 years later, we're still dealing with the consequences of the Silicon chip being developed in Silicon Valley. That same shit, that same tipping point of innovation is apparently happening in biotech these days. Like 60 years from now, the way we think about medicine and health is going to be as radically different from today as the way that people thought about computers do to today. So there is a technical renaissance that's happening. And right now we're excited about NFTs and Web3 and that kind of thing. But with this like crazy AI shit that's coming and all these other things, uh, it's not just art. So with Big Head Club, what's, what's, uh, what is the, the long-term? I know you said that they're, you know, you're just throwing a bunch of shit against the wall essentially and, and innovating and empowering everybody to, to be their best creative selves. Is there a mission behind the art that you are creating? And is, are, is there a story you're trying to tell with it? Is there any deeper uh, messaging on that front that you hope to convey to people through what you're creating? Nope. Everybody wants me to have this like grand vision and everybody thinks I should have this master plan. I have no fucking idea. We do cool shit, we make money, we can keep making money and doing cool shit. And if we repeat that, you get enough repetitions, you probably stumble upon another standard that changes the world. But I have no idea what that looks like. None whatsoever. I know that I have really good people that I work with 
and I know that we're pretty good at making money. And again, like I don't think commerce and art are dirty words together. I think they're lovely things. I think they are peanut butter and motherfucking jelly. And so we will keep pairing them until we invent the Reese's cup of the future, peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cup or whatever it's called. Well, that and, that, and that's an interesting approach because I think, you know, some of these discussions with, with fellow NFT creators and artists, there might be some internal drive saying, hey, this is a, a message that I want to put forth through my art or this is uh, a certain uh, element of life, element of society that I want to convey to people through my art. So it's, it's cool to hear you say, which I would argue that you're saying, hey, uh, we're just, we're good at making money. We're good at making art. We're putting those things together, PB and J. You're still doing kind of what we talked about, though, things that you enjoy and you're being your fullest creative selves. And so yes. arguably through that, you are communicating something maybe maybe it's not you know pencil that maybe there's not a bullseye of of words to describe it but in essence if you're being your true self and you're empowering your colleagues to be their truest highest creative selves then from that place you're showing people what can be created if they themselves are living from that yeah. same yeah same we we blaze trails and we really do hope that people copy us like at crypto kitties in the old days it was super disappointing because so many people copied us directly like just literally ripped off exactly what we did sometimes including all of the art was the same sometimes they would like oh it's llamas but it's identical and it was like man no like copy our shit and then plus one us do a little bit better because we will copy you back we will fuck you up we will come get your shit and we'll do it way better than you did but you need to iterate on our shit this is actually why I think the Chinese are going to do so well in the future because they have none of this like crazy, ridiculous artist ego around their software and their businesses. There was 200 active Groupon clones at once operating in China. That is a gladiator's coliseum of fucking business efficiency. And so that's a, that's a, that's a, that is how when you stop glorifying the individual and stop saying like, oh, why are you special? And why are you the next Leonardo? And why da da da? And you're just like, no, no. Culturally, we will all do better if we are all greedy and we're all copying each other and we're all learning the best lessons from each other. I really do think China has a huge edge on the West in their like business culture and the technology practices because of that lack of individualism and that lack of hero worship that they put on entrepreneurs and on artists and on creators. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's a net positive for their society and something we could learn a lot from. You're saying China has a leg up. Is it because ego is not part of the equation as much as it is perhaps in Western culture? What's the kind of More greed, barometer there? Pardon? More greed, less ego. In the Western China country. has more greed. They're more interested in the financial outcomes of success than being the hero of the story. And that is a net positive for the culture as a whole because, I mean, if you loosely like capitalism, which I do, then the greed and success of one person uh, has ramifications, has waves and consequences to other people. And so, you know, like when somebody figures out Uber, everybody wins. And again, the number of Uber clones that existed at once in China made for a ferocious, ferocious culture where the best win is it's survival of the fittest. A lot of what I'm channeling here is a guy whose name I'm going to forget, but wrote a book called... God damn it. It's about AI in China. I think it's called Kai Fu Li might have been his name. It might have been called Super AI. 
And oh man, I'm not going to tell you because it spoils it. But if you read that book, the last chapter is absolutely incredible. This amazing book about Chinese business culture and AI, which are not parallel, but it's an interesting book that wraps those two things together. And then he hits you with the end note and it's brilliant. It's beautiful and it's human and it's, it's touching and it's cool. If the West were to adopt a little more of that into their deployment of art, commerce, stuff like that, you think it would be a different landscape? Yeah, totally. I think we should copy and plus one each other better. We should be more savage in our business practices. And like, that's that because, because we all learn from each other. You know, like Google used to have the red balloon challenge and Netflix did their algorithm thing where they trying to get, this is years ago, but they were trying to figure out the best algorithm for recommending content. And they created an open source challenge for this. And they somehow created a point system where like there was gonna be a winner, but every time you checked in code or ideas that other people would then use, you would get points. And so what they did is instead of having a thousand teams working independently, they had a thousand teams vampiring each other's knowledge. And well, it worked out for Netflix, didn't it? This idea of sharing information is very good. So either you have some like central planned authority trying to do all that, that shit never works out, or you have hyper competitive capitalism. And that is a different way of doing effective information sharing. But it's a highly efficient way to move that resource, which is information amongst competing parties. Do we just not have enough people trying to push themselves to, to be the party? Everybody's trying to be the hero. Everybody's trying to be the great artist. People are not just trying to like win. Meaning people aren't people aren't viewing a win amongst people as a win for everyone. They want to be the person to be the winner and say, hey, I did this. Look yes. at me or look at this endeavor that I brought to everybody. Totally. And I'm not making this point really well, but the point I'm attempting to make or stumbling through is this idea that if we all just wanted the financial outcomes of success, then we would be greedy, but we want the financial outcomes of success and the glory. And the glory is the ego, and that betrays our ability to share information well. All mm. of this with respect to the fact that face in Chinese culture is profoundly important. Like there's definitely ego there as well, but it does not seem to manifest in business in the same way. Like, think about it this way. If I make an app and somebody comes along and makes an app that is just like mine, but they have a better growth team, so they're growing faster, that company is never gonna say, oh, we just did a better app than Mac. We did the same thing, but we're doing growth better. They're gonna tell you why they're different and why they're innovative. Like this obsession with innovation is fucking nutty. We should have an obsession with winning and success, not innovation. Those two things are not the same. Innovation is mostly ego-driven. It's the ability to say, I change things. I am important. My contribution to this story matters. Not, we did some shit, made some money, and now the Mai Tais on this island are fucking delicious. <laughs> right. Well, I think what you're also speaking to in the whole decentralized context is hopefully a future in which people do have more of a collaborative outlook, uh, less ego, and, and really aim to create monumental awesome stuff for society through art commerce the intersection of both and and that's a world i think a lot more people would would thrive in you know one of the biggest ideas in 2017 blockchain was interoperability and extensibility and that just means like people being able to build on top of each other's shit and because the blockchain is all in public that's supposed to work really well it's like supercharged open source but 
that is not a big part of blockchain today. I can't name any NFT projects that have got fantastic interoperability. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I love interoperability. You should build on top of my thing. Not I should build on top of your thing. I'm going to create the nucleus. I'm going to plant the garden and the rest of you should grow your flowers in my garden. But that's bullshit. You should, you should plant flowers in the garden that already exists, I would argue. Uh, and the only example I've seen recently of that is loot. Loot was amazing. Loot was a bunch of shitty words on a card, and then people came and built on top of loot. They built around loot, and it was beautiful. NounsDAO is doing similar stuff, uh, but it's a different beast. Moving forward, uh, Big Head Club, what can we expect to see out of you guys in the next you know, couple months, next year? Anything, I know, again, you've mentioned there's, there's no grand, per, perhaps master, master plan, but anything on the horizon that you can speak to that you're excited about that uh, people should be looking out for? The idea that we find interesting these days is that people should play together, the community should play together. And so we are going to release the boat game in the next couple months. And the boat game is basically a complicated version of the prisoner's dilemma where to win, your team needs to give away more than the other team, but you get a prize relative to how much you own. So if you give away everything, it doesn't matter if your team wins, you got nothing. And so the negotiations of we all need to do this, but I need to do this, like in game design, the intersection of cooperation and competition is always really fun. Magic happens in that place. And so that's what we're going to put out next. And, and if that goes well, we'll probably continue to beat on that drum and explore this idea of communities playing together. For example, though, we're not building a Discord for Boat Game. We're like, no, no, you have a community. You have a Discord. You should go play, aka organize yourself in your Discord. you got to come to our website to press the little fucking buttons. But the meat of the game, the fun, happens in your Discord, in your community. You build on top of that. That seems interesting. Hmm. So in, in many ways, too, you're encouraging people to, as you said, copy and plus one uh, within yes. their own little ecosystems. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Mac, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to chat. I, I really appreciate it. That was fun, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, this is another episode of the Decent People podcast about essential media. I'm your host, Stephen Levin. This has been a chat with Mac Flavel, the CEO of Big Head Club. Mac, thank you. Thank you. Woo! Go check out oniron.io. O-N-I-R-O-N.io. Cool ass NFTs. That's it for this episode of Decent People. Thanks so much for listening. Check the show notes for more information on our guests today. And make sure to look us up on the web at decential.io. That's D-E-C-E-N-T-I-A-L.io. And on Twitter at Decential. Have a great day.